Yes, sir. This is Maserati West, Wes Barkley, and you're listening to the best wrestling podcast out there, Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where you can see that troubles are all the same. And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially at a slumber party. This is Wrestling Cheers. We like to talk about things going on in the Northeast Ohio independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This is a review episode for last week's AIW show that was, I mean, technically in New Jersey, but still part of Northeast Ohio. We had of uh, the slumber party massacre of... I am your host. I am Justin Summers. We are brought to you by the Trending Topics Network, Midwest Territory, and Key on Sports. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to this fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on all of your social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash WrestlingCheers, Twitter.com slash WrestlingCheers, and Instagram.com slash WrestlingCheers. Email, if you so choose to desire, WrestlingCheers at Gmail. Com, and we have the merch store over at whatmaneuver.net. Like I said, this is a review episode for last week's show A, well, not AIW, but it's the Slumber Party Massacre that was at the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey. And this is actually available for replay right now on Fight TV. That's where I end up seeing it because I'm the only person on this episode that wasn't in New York, but Getting to still watch it a couple days after it happened was still, like, really cool and don't really get to watch AIW for the first time from the comfort of my home own home. So, hey, if you haven't done it yet, go check it out. But if you're listening to this episode, you probably already know the results or you saw the show. So let's get into the review. First up this week, we have Stacy. Hey, man. How's it going? How's, uh, how was your weekend in New Jersey, in New York, whatever? I was never in New York. I was only in Jersey. Okay. And it was long, but good. Uh, non-wrestling, you did happen to go to some Jay and Silent Bob related places. We did. We went to Secret Stash and we went to the Quick Stop. What was that like? Uh, it was cool, man. Uh, I like Red Bank. It's a whole lot fucking nicer than Jersey City. It's a little bougie. It's nice. Uh, Secret Stash is a cool store. I mean, it's basically just like any other comic store you would go into, except they have some kevin smith shit in there like uh the real counter that they do business at isn't the one from the tv show the tv show further in the store and it was piled up with shit uh uh, like a little clerks to move the back uh they have a display case that has a bunch of like cool like old kevin smith things from different movies and older merch uh, the table that they do the podcast ads in the back. Uh, the craziest thing that's in there is the fucking walrus from Tusk. Oh, like, shit. And it, hanging from the ceiling, kind of. Um, but, uh, 
Mike Zabsik was there running the store. Uh, I bought a couple things, talked to him. It was cool. It was a good time. And then the quick stop, you know, it's it's still there. It's still a grocery store. I thought it burnt down. <laughs> You'd think so. But uh, <laughs> no. RST Video still had the sign like half in the window. Um, Pam bought a shirt at the quick stop that was just some old black print on a white shirt that said quick stop and RST Jersey. Um, they had two left. So she owns one of them. I don't know how old that shirt is. <laughs> I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's about as old as the tea I bought from there, which was super expired. How, how far off from expired? Uh, months and months. Ugh. Yeah. We caught it in time and went in and, but yeah, I bought a, yeah, I've, I've done that at a vending machine where I, I think I bought tea and then it, it came out and there was like mold in it. And I'm like, oh, like, you need to get rid of this. Yeah. The the weirdest thing with the quick stop, man, for, for anybody who's watched Clerks religiously, you know, when they play hockey on the roof, you see like across the street, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some things have changed in Leonardo over the years. <laughs> right there now, like three story high condos. So. It looks a little different, but the store is still right there, and it is, like, it's small. Parking's, like, right, like, your bumper's on the street. Oh, but it, it was cool. It was cool. It was a, we didn't, we were going to go the first day, and then we all got there, and we were real tired. So we went on Saturday before uh, before going to the AIW party. Also on this episode, we have Rick. Hey, how are you guys? How, how was your weekend in New Jersey? I had a weekend in New Jersey. I did indeed. I went to New York, unlike Mr. Silver's. Uh, I went to AIW, went to WrestleCon, and then I did stuff with my wife, or as Pat would say, my wife, uh, for the final two days. I had a really good time and uh, got home not as exhausted as I thought it was going to be. How was WrestleCon? How was WrestleCon? Uh, WrestleCon was the weirdest thing that I've ever experienced. I've never been to like a real WrestleCon before. So, you know, we walk in and uh, you get through the the uh, wristband uh, to get entered yeah i'm 25 feet into the place and just terry runnels is just standing there just talking to somebody just randomly like what is going on you walk in a little farther and all of a sudden it's like greg valentine sitting beside coco beware just looking miserable <laughs> eating lunch and i'm like this we were there with ed and steph as well it's just the weirdest that's the only way i can describe it it's not a bad way just yeah, yeah. so just weird the first day when i went we were we went to the parking garage close by, went to park. First person we see, do not speak to them, and you'll understand why in a second, Virgil. And I was like, oh, of course, this is the first person I see at a fucking WrestleCon before I'm even in the building. And then in between where we walked in at the hotel to the actual where WrestleCon was, walked by a coffee bar, and oh, there's Jim Neidhart. Oh, there's, there's his wife, too, that I recognize from Total Divas. Totally shit. And then... Like, go in, and then, yeah, it's the same thing, you know, booth to booth, you know, you see people, like, all different types of fucking people. It's It really is surreal. Yeah, definitely a fun time. If you, if you get a chance, I would I would suggest anybody else. WrestleCon is, it's kind of cool, too, like, to see, so there's always at least somebody you want to meet. Literally, the first person I met was Nightheart, and then I think the second person was, that people would consider me weird for this, was the Mountie, because I wanted to meet the Mountie. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's yeah, I I I'd be down. I mean, I said hi to to Francine when we were there. Just you know, Vicky Guerrero, a lot of the just just such random people. Mm -hmm. You know, we, before I even knew, I didn't know that Mantar was on the Janela show. 
just walked by and I'm like, I think I just walked by Mantar. And Ed's like, oh, yeah, he's on the Janela show. I'm like, Mantar? I'm like, what year is it? What is ha- – what is yeah. just what's going on? Yeah, those random ones are so much fun with people like that. The yep. crazy thing that happened the year that I went was – I think I went to the WrestleCon Super Show. Drew McIntyre or Drew Galloway at the time had a, it was in a crazy like 10 man tag match that I loved. And I got to see him the next day. And I told him my story that I w- once went to an AIW show and I was wearing his WWE shirt. And Cole Cabana had no idea what that shirt was. And, like, he was really like, What the hell shirt is that? And he said he'd never seen a Drew McIntyre shirt. So I got to like tell him that story with, you know, Cole Cabana, like, not that far away. That night is when he returned to WWE. And I was like, what? I just talked to him. What the fuck? But anyway, we're not here to talk about all that shit. We have AIW to talk about and the Slumber Party Massacre. Before we get into all this, what was the experience like at White Eagle Hall? Start with you, Stacey. Uh, the, getting into the AIW show, um, there was a, a slight, just like a, a little short hang up, getting like all everybody's wristbands together and everybody in. But once... Once we got in, it was cool, man. There were no barricades, which anybody who watched it saw. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I thought it was cool too. Um, <laughs> the The building was um, there. There was a balcony upstairs. There was an upstairs bar, which uh, got a whole lot of a whole lot of business throughout the weekend. Uh, the upstairs bar was kind of a place to be. Uh, I don't, man. The place was cool. Uh, they're just different than anywhere I'd seen a show before. That's for sure. Uh, but I, I dug it. I ended up uh, sitting like in the first seat on a corner, and on the other corner for me was Papa Hales. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like the place. When I was watching it, like you hardly ever saw the up the upstairs balcony. There was a co- handful of shots that you did, but it was mostly lower level but anytime that i would get a glimpse of the the balcony i kind of go oh that's that's cool i totally forgot about that yeah i you know i watched a couple of shows from the balcony and was the view surprisingly was hit and miss i thought the view was going to be a little bit cooler from up there than it was but the just like the height of the railing at least for my height was a little weird and like depending on who you had standing next to you and things uh, views from up top could get weird at times. Uh, on the floor, I thought the views were great. Even, you know, like, even if you were in stuff in GA, I think it was still pretty easy to see. Um, front row stage was probably the best seat in the whole building. But What was your thoughts on it all, Rick? <laughs> Real nice hall. Reminded me of, like, kind of a middle to upscale, uh, like, almost like a wedding venue. Um, and I, I think that's... That's kind of what it. Uh, I think that's kind of what it. What it was. Uh, the balcony. It's funny you say. Uh, you know, you didn't even notice the balcony was there. Sitting down, and we sat front row, middle two seats with our back to hard camera. I sat with uh, my wife and and Pat and Jobber, and um, I didn't even notice the balcony was there once the, you know, once the show started. So that's it, it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. For that, it was a little weird because I felt like we were sitting down lower than usual, and I don't know if it was the chairs or the setup or whatever. Um, usually, I feel like my head's a little bit farther up as far as the ring apron is concerned. 
but I felt like I was kind of like looking up for everything. So Stacy's probably right. The place to be was probably that front row stage where you were dead even with the ropes looking in. Uh, the no railings, that's the first show I've been to that I can recall that didn't have railings. And if you saw it on Fight, the iPay-Per-View, you can see most of the night I am deathly afraid for my life. So <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that. There were a lot of guys and a lot of crazy shit that was going to go on. You know, it, it it was a great venue. The bars were the bars were awesome downstairs. I, I didn't get to go up in the balcony, but I'll take Stacy's word for it that uh, that it was rocking up there too. So I I thought it was a great place to uh, probably not want to go there every month, but great place to see a show or two or twelve. The upstairs bar had its own, so you weren't just bars were just kind of in the middle of the sea of people. Up straight in the back was a whole room with a bar in it. It was it was nice. Uh, you know what? The only the only downside that I will give that place very narrow stairwells as a large man. Like, but even if you weren't a large man, it's it's one 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 way. At one. So there were a couple of times going up and down where it would be like you'd meet someone and be like, oh well, fuck, I'm going back up, and you go up and then they go down. It's like a one one person way up, one person way down. And I don't. I think the place is usually a concert venue, Rick, because I saw things in the bathroom for like the schedule of events and there were a lot of like shows coming up i don't doubt uh, that at all that's that's just kind of my take on is that's what it reminded me of it was just yeah. like a weird kind of wedding hall I, it makes sense perfectly uh, with the stage you know at one end it, it's a perfect setup for uh, for music so yeah with how many people were in that place i don't know if they don't usually get big crowds or, or what the story is but the dude's bathroom two stalls and two urinals and a line at all times and you had to go um, be good at holding it. Uh, but that that's the only that's the only knock I got on the place is that they could have used a couple more uh, facilities. Are we just talking about that? How a lot of a lot of these venues have like smaller restrooms? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like Mount Carmel had a child sized restroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think... This was like for a regular ass adult. There just wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of options to go. Uh, the worst. It was, it was usually backed up. I don't know what was worse about Mount Carmel. The fact of there was what, like two urinals, one stall, or the like maze of two doors you had to go through just to get into the restroom. And if you walk through like actual the, the second door, you it could be full. You're like, oh, now I got to wait in this little like I don't even want to call it a hallway, but you have to wait between these two doors. And then like it was a weird line system and like. One thing I won't miss about that, and on top of all that too, obviously with a full day of, you know, kids being in there, that like we get in there a whole mess of people, and you know the soap would always run out, the, the paper towels would always run out, and it's like God, what the fuck? I, I can tell you, man, from for me at least, uh, every time I use that Mount Carmel restroom, I felt like that picture of Andre the Giant you see <laughs> where he's on the airplane to Japan. <laughs> And he's obviously the wrong size for it. Um, because if I stood at the two urinals, there was room for one man. Uh, was, so I, that's the only thing I don't miss about Mount Carmel, that child-sized restroom. All right, getting into the show, we started off with the Mexican death match. The Young Studs versus La, La Familia de Tijuana. What a way to like start off this show. Like I think the first two matches in general were monster ways to kick off this show, and this one being obviously the first of the two. How did you, what did you guys feel about this live and everything with everything going on? Start with Rick. 
it was kind of weird um, with the different uh, restrictions that they had with the iPay-Per-View. As Stacy said, we didn't get into the venue until about 20 to 25 minutes before basically go live time, you know, kind of drop dead, do or die, 11 o'clock. So everybody was kind of into the building. Uh, Steve Guy had done his little quick speech, hey, we're going live in a minute. So the place was still kind of buzzing. Everybody was kind of milling around. It's not like a normal AIW where everybody was seated. We're all ready. Steve gives his whole, you know, his whole speech that, you know, takes that five or 10 minutes and everybody's ready to go. So it was like this weird, almost nervous energy excitement. And then Steve says, the opening contest, the first things he says on the, on the pay-per-view are the opening contest is a Mexican death match. And then there's this palpable, like, uh, it, it's, it's a bad word, but like titter in, of excitement, like in the and just this feeling of anticipation and almost horror when this thing gets because you just know those of us that saw the first one, um, you know, either on DVD or we, in person, you know, they were breaking glass and, and all kinds of crazy shit the first time around. So, man, that atmosphere was just insane. I, you know, I don't. I don't think I think completely organic. I don't think that's anything you could duplicate. Yeah, I was concerned when we first got in there with what you had just said. Like, you know, there were pains in the first match, and now there's there's no sort of barrier between you and, and that. Um, and so I think I think there was that feeling in the room of like, oh, oh shit, are we in danger? Death match is the first match. I didn't expect that to be the first match. Uh but yeah, it definitely set the tone for the night in a in a real good fucking way. Um that fucking fork bat was a thing of beauty. I would say the fork bat and like how it started off with just the the stabbing of the fork. Ugh. Well, the way that match started off with uh, the boys got right in the ring. And, and first of all, I, you guys saw it. it. I got the feeling that Mr. Bestia and Damien had no intention of taking a bump that night because neither one of them was doing anything that was going to end up with them on their back. It was all Eric and Bobby that were taking the hits and taking the bumps, mostly Eric, obviously. Um, you know, the back and forth with the handshakes and everything. I counted once the first punch is thrown, Eric is bloody six seconds later. So there was very much a, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to push the envelope. Uh, you know, it's go big or go home time. Uh, Eric with the, the the chairs. They even say on commentary, and, and I don't know if you caught this from the Duke, the guys... Um, uh, Messia and, and Damien are, are putting fork, forks in their pockets before the match starts because they're ready. They're ready to to, to stab people. You know, chair spots. You know, the doors that are, I guess, like a GCW staple. Uh, I'm not used to seeing that, so that was something kind of cool and different. And then the fork door. For the love of God, Eric taking a bump into his back with the forks. There, I mean, there's it gross. It just gross. And it's of course Eric Ryan is like the main one that takes a lot of this punishment. I think that's the great thing about him. I don't even want to say that. Like sounds like a really bad, but the dude has no boundaries. He will do anything for entertainment. Like how many times has you know he left a show and he's just like gushing blood? And like when that when that moment happened, I was like, oh god! Like like number one, of course you were going to take that bump, and like. You're, you'll still go like a champ. It doesn't matter with you. And I'll tell you what, man, the, the faked me out at first because they came out in like jeans. I thought, oh man, they're, they're actually gonna, they're actually gonna with this. Nah, they just, 
they just dealt it out to fucking Eric Ryan the whole time. But it, it was a thing to see, man. It was, it was, like I say, it was a tone setter for the evening in the best possible way. Yeah, Eric. Uh, Eric was intent on bleeding. I mean, even to the point of after the match and where he just took the fork and stabbed himself in the head eight or ten times, and he's just shooting blood. We're sitting. I'm sitting hard camera, and I'm in that that Caden fear for my life spot. And <laughs> I, I look down, and I have blood all up my arms and all over my Josh Bishop shirt, all over my pants. And I'm like, we are ten minutes in, and I'm covered with Eric Ryan's blood. This is going to be something to remember. And uh, much like like we described, of course, it was uh, La Familia de Tijuana getting the victory here. Should should this be what we really expected with with those two? Like I know I, I said like oh if you know La Familia won it would be the young studs winning this one, but after watching that match, I was like oh well, I'm stupid. Of course it's going to be La Familia. You know I didn't I didn't really know going into it just based on some things I had heard different people say. I, I really thought there was a chance that, that it would go the other way. Uh, but no, no, it, it went the way you probably should have expected it to. Yeah, it didn't really matter who won. It was it was about getting the couple of big spots in and Eric getting to do his stuff. And, it, you know, Eric Ryan's another one. He's Teflon. It, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses. It's it's all about the, uh, the mess he makes. Next up, we have Dominic Greeny versus Joshua Bishop with Wes Barkley in Submit or Surrender. Basically, you had Clemens going around a lot through this match with a microphone, putting that in both Bishop and Dom's face at certain points, asking if they submit or surrender. And, oh God, I didn't think this match would go the way it did, but these two were making me hurt so bad watching this. I could only imagine what it was like for you guys live. This match, hands down, is my match of the weekend. I, at this point, have watched wrestling since Thursday through, I mean, last night, there was shit on TV. I don't care if you're talking about WWE, O'Connor. I don't care if you're talking about any of the Janela shows. I don't care if you're talking about, I do not give a fuck about what other wrestling company you're talking about. The match of the weekend for me was Dominic Garini versus Josh Bishop. It's one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen. It told a fucking incredible story. It was violent as fuck. There were spots in it I've never seen before. It was fucking genius, and those two deserve all the praise in the fucking world for that match. It was unfucking real and I'm glad I was there to see. How'd you feel about it, Rick? Yeah, absolutely crazy. Uh we kind of knew right from the beginning uh, Bishop comes out immediately. Dominic goes for a dive immediately. I lose my seat for the second time in the night. And then they start right in with the chairs and the skewers. Uh, and, excuse me. It started before that with the um, the big nails, almost like the railroad spike kind of things, with uh, Bishop trying to, to break the uh, cauliflower ear of Dominic, which I've never seen. I've never seen anybody do that. Or then the skewers into the ear. Uh, Bishop takes the skewers into the head. Barkley gets involved with a chair, takes a pile driver on the ring apron, so he's out. Uh, and then all of Caden's toys get in there. The uh, the board with the poppers on it, the bat with the poppers on it. Uh, Bishop pulls out the bag of thumbtacks. Both of them take a bump into the thumbtacks. Uh, and then eventually, with the help of Barkley, you know, they get they get Dominic handcuffed in the corner for 
bishop to spray down with lighter fluid to light a motherfucker on fire. I don't care who you are. If you have ever seen the finish of a match where one guy was going to light an, another guy on fire, you need to let me know. You need to point it out to me. Some people, I actually heard a couple people say, that's really dumb. We know he would never light him on fire. That's the fucking point. The point is there's nobody that's going to let themselves get lit on fire to win a wrestling match. So Dominic has no other choice. I thought it was a crazy, creative way to end this blood feud. You know, Bishop goes over with the help of Wes. So basically it was, you know, a two-on-one-ish to get it done. So both guys, I think, look like a million bucks. I, You know, I even forgot the Bishop, uh, the gift that's going around, Bishop putting Dominic off the stage, which was crazy. Uh, plenty of blood. I, you know, I don't know what else to say about it. It was, it was spectacular. Uh, man, uh, two things that for me are genius about that fucking lighter fluid spot, which I, I also heard a couple of people say similar things to what you heard. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, one, like Dom's got cuts all over him. So imagine lighter fluid all through a bunch of open fucking wounds. A, B, and I pray that caught this, but the look on Josh's fucking face when he lit that fucking Zippo was, it was golden. It was perfect. Everything about that finish was great. Uh, both of them, you could tell that they showed up. They knew that this was a, a larger stage than AIW is ever usually on. They knew that somebody tonight was stealing the fucking show, and they made sure it was them. And yep. Their show, like I said, in my opinion, they stole the fucking weekend. The, there's only a couple of people who did anything close, um, and they were both. Uh, but yeah, the fucking, I'm so proud of those fucking guys. It's unreal. Yeah, I, the, I, look, the look on Dominic's face when he had to surrender just the look of horror, uh, you know, of what this guy, like, is this guy really going to do this? And I don't know, Stacy, if you caught it, uh, only if you're in the building, I, I hate to go fourth wall here, but we're pretty sure that wasn't really lighter fluid. It was that he was popping him on, but you could smell lighter fluid where I was sitting in the front row. You could smell the, the butane or whatever it is. Yeah, you, could you, smell, can, you could smell it. You yeah. knew that there was a, that faint odor that it's like, Oh my God, is this is he really dousing him down with lighter? You know that. Yeah, you know, obviously that's not going to come through on i pay per view, but that live experience it, it was it was nuts. Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering, and I was going to ask you guys whether you thought it was real lighter fluid or, or not, whether it be the smell. I'm wondering because I even thought like when I first seen it, like oh that's that has to be like a water or something. But you guys are saying there's a smell. I wonder if it, it, it was like a mixture it, to where you got I, both. I know what. It, I mean, I know what it is, but I, I don't I really want to, like, you know, fuck the kayfabe up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. yeah I, guess, I, I, I will agree with Rick. It smelled like lighter fluid. It smelled like lighter fluid. Maybe that's all there's matter. There's a reason why it did. I mean, a lighter yep. fluid bottle is a lighter fluid bottle. Yep. Hey, Stacy. Small tip. Yeah. If you know, you don't know. Hey, <laughs> then let's not talk about how we probably know. Like, <laughs> But uh, yeah, the yeah this this match fucking did steal the show. Like, I think it was for me. It was it was on top of the back to back of the the first match, and I'm like, okay, you know, death match is over. Submit a surrender. Okay, I figured it would be just more physical, but like with the weapons and the blood, I was like, oh shit. And I think I'd already seen the picture of the the skewers 
going through, I think, Dom's head mm-hmm. or whatever. And I I still was was shocked. Actually, when I, when I first looked at it really quick, I thought it was a light tube, like a broken light tube really quick. That's when I just saw the picture. But when the match happened, I was like, oh, those are skewers. Ow, ow, ow. Motherfucker. Yeah, it's because the skewers were like uh, electrical taped together. Yeah. So instead of being like a loose bunch, they were like a solid stick. Ah, some crazy motherfuckers. But it basically, like we said, it was Joshua Bishop who got the win over Dom by handcuffing him to the, the ring post or the, the turnbuckle or the end corner, whatever you want to say, and uh, spraying him with lighter fluid and attempting to light it. So, yeah, that... I'm curious to see if, you know, these two meet somewhere down the road. I think I'd, I'd put down that I had Bishop winning, but it would be like Dom who like wins the gauntlet or wins Jalen or something's going to big happen soon. And I think that's where like we could see these two one more time. Next up, we had the AIW tag team titles on the line in the four way match. The Jollyville Fuckets, PME. The production and everybody's favorite tag team to infinity and beyond. And I feel bad for these guys after following that first match, but uh, yeah, still a, still a fun match. It was definitely one of those matches too, where there was just a lot of shit going on. I, I want to say this. So the crowd in that building was maybe, and, and Rick, you can correct me if you think my percentage is wrong, but I would say the crowd in that building was maybe, 10 or 15 percent aiw regular would you say that sounds about right and that that's definitely in the in the neighborhood i felt like a lot of these a lot of these people weren't super familiar with philly and marino and the crowd was behind them a hundred percent which speaks to our uh at at winning a crowd over almost before they had even before the bell had rung they had already won the crowd over and and because i've never really got to see those guys in front of a crowd that maybe didn't know him that well. And, and that was huge for me. Those those guys really shined in that match. Yeah, it was. Uh, this was an absolute death spot for these guys. I actually felt really bad that they were even there. I kind of immediately thought to myself in that spot that there was no way that it was going to be anything more than Colin and Cheech going over. Um, I don't even remember. I watched the match a second time today, and I don't remember a whole lot of it. Uh, Nasty Ross, I think, broke one of his fingers in in a spot, and I the Philly Collins moonsault was a thing of beauty, as it always is. Um, other than that, I just don't recall. It, it, it was tough. The match felt short. It felt like maybe there just wasn't a lot of time. We know, you know, everybody was under restrictions. It just meant it just felt like it went by so quick. I think one thing too with watching uh, online, like checking out people in the crowd. I've seen people I recognize. I mean, there, there was a, definitely a lot of like regular regulars, like you said, probably good, you know, 10%, 15%. But there were people that like, I recognize that aren't necessarily regulars, but show up from time to time. Or and I think what could be a, another thing too, is I think AIW has a, I don't want to say a huge following online, but probably enough. So PME, I think, like the charisma and everything, the likability of them just bleeds through the screen, whether it be what we see with the matches or even just some of the online promo stuff. Like PME is fucking great and they should be booked everywhere. And yeah, I, I think that it's so easy for them to be liked too. Even I think if you've never been to an AW show or have any idea who PME is, like you're going to fall in love with these guys because you're gonna be like, oh, this is fun. These guys are awesome. 
Yeah, and you know, the, the one thing, and, and this is no fault of AIW's, because if you follow AIW, um, they made it very clear what time the show started. But there are people who were even AIW regulars who showed up late. Um, and there were a lot of people who didn't get there until about midnight. Like, the, there was a good crowd in there, but the crowd got much bigger after midnight. And I had seen that a couple of places, including, like, some shit from the collective and some, like, different internet sources had still had AIW listed as midnight. Oh. Uh, which, it, which it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so I... I kind of felt bad for by the by the time I realized that was going on was around this tag match. Yeah, and it was like, oh, there are still people coming in. Oh fuck, I bet people thought it was midnight. And then as I talked to people later, sure enough, yeah, like even like Stefan and people who are AIW regular, they thought it was midnight. Yeah. So with this match, it was to Infinity and Beyond picking up the victory. Still, AIW Tag Team Champions. Who the fuck is going to beat these guys besides PMA? I think that's coming. That's it. That's it. You think that's it? Yeah, I think I think we got. Uh, I think we have another three months of Colin and Chicharoni. Ooh, you know what? There's something that I'm I'm forgetting about, but everybody should be reminded of it because I mean it's new. The Chandler Biggins Memorial Tag Team Tournament. That's a, a J lit type tournament. You know, whoever walks out gets a title opportunity. PME could be with that team, or they can get another shot any other way. The There's going to be, I think, a, a lot of people, a lot of tag teams vying for that. And also, I kind of want to see it. If M-Dog and J-Pro are going to have one more match, I kind of want to see them as euthanasia one more time. I'm not saying they're going to win the titles, but fuck, just tag team match. Yeah, I, I have a match that I kind of hope they are in that I've had in the back of my head, but as we get closer to the show, I think that's going to happen. Out, we could talk about that then. I think I know what you're going to say, but I'll save that for later. Next up, we had Otani versus Kingston. Again, I don't know that much about Otani, but uh, this was, I don't want to say a typical Kingston match, but yeah, kind of was in a good yeah, way. In a good way. You could definitely say that. Yeah. That's, like, that's what it was. You know, they slow moving, but every, every move was. There was a purpose for it. You know, everything was in that slow, methodical, Eddie Kingston style, that Otani. You know, I, I don't know how old he is, but um, uh, safe to say he's older than Eddie. Uh, yeah. The three uh, three boot scrapes were pretty uh, pretty cool with uh, Otani taking out Kingston three times. The last two, um, knocking out his, uh, his cohorts at the ring uh, both times. Uh, sending one of them on to my wife, which I think was intentionally, <laughs> but you know, it is kind of is what it is. <laughs> I was cool with it. Um, I, you know, I liked the match. It was a nice, it was slow, but it was a nice bring down from all the craziness that we had already seen. So it was kind of like a, a good chance to sit down, hit the reset button, like watch a more, I guess for lack of a better word, like a more classical style of, of, of wrestling. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I dug it. To me, it was like a match between two tough guys. Like, it was just two guys that really pound the fucking shit out of each other. And they cool, like, tough wrestling match. Uh, Kingston was real happy to have that match. And I was real happy for him. And it was fun to watch. I, I liked it. I thought it was, like, like Rick said, it was like a nice change from what we had seen so far. And that's a, a, another thing I'll say about this show is, this show was 
paced out and booked so well. Like it, everything about the show just kind of flowed, and, and I, I dug it a lot. And it, uh, basically, Otani picked up the victory over Eddie Kingston. Side note: cool thing is reading these off of uh, Cage Match dot uh, net. We didn't do uh, results. Caden was going to, but with him doing the live video stuff for Twitter and everything, uh, obviously that took precedence, which is fine. And uh, but reading it off of Cage Match, they ac- they actually have runtime for all the matches. Not every oh. not every match, or I should say every show has it, but this one does. Hmm. Interesting. So it's actually cool to see like how these these broke down like this. Um, anyway, next up we go on to I somewhat mentioned it because we go on to what was the shortest match of the night, but only by only by a minute. Well, it didn't feel like the shortest match. <laughs> well, to an extent, it was a the short one of the shortest matches. We had Swaggle versus Scott Steiner, and oh come on, man, is that a short <laughs> joke about? I Swaggle? think he just did a combined height joke. <laughs> well, that and um, a lot going on, on in this match, just not just Scott Steiner and Swaggle. First, uh, I mean, Swaggle comes out, then, you know, Steiner comes out with um, AIW student Laurel. I don't know if we're supposed to say that part, but with a female and Scott Steiner talking his normal trash says that he uh, he's got the, the king of the midgets. That he's going to come out and and go against Hornswoggle, and it's none other than Cabana Man Dan. That was one of those things I knew it was happening, but it was still so cool to see him come back to AIW at this show. And uh, Hornswoggle took care of him pretty quickly. And then what happened after that, Rick? Because I know I'm missing a step in my head. No, that's fine. You had uh, you know uh, Steiner came out uh, immediately, demanded that they play his appropriate music. Oh, I forgot about that. Short people. The, uh, you know, that was, and that's another reason why I said that this shortish, it felt like it took forever. Uh, Steiner wanted a a little person. Steiner wanted a little person to basically take his place in the match. He couldn't find a little person. The closest he could find was Cabana Man Dan. So he recruited Cabana Man Dan to go in there and uh, take out Swoggle for him. But Swoggle, you know, laid the beating to Cabana, Cabana Man Dan. With the German suplexes and the um, the Swoggle liner, I guess you will. And having uh, Dan tap out to Swoggle, then Steiner had to get in there. And about four and a half, five minutes, just beat the crap out of Swoggle. Unless I'm missing something else there. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Uh, you know what, man? I, I rarely talk bad about matches or people's performance in it. And she's just a student. On a stage that big. Oh, don't, no, don't be the poor. <laughs> oh, no. On a stage that big, slap him in the fucking face. Oh, yeah, slap, slap the shit out of him. That slap was worth stone on him, Jeff. Jenna Marasco slaps. Yeah, that was a fucking horrible slap. Um, but the, I, I, you know, I'm not the biggest Scott Steiner fan, and I liked this man. I, I liked the whole thing. I thought it was good. Sands that shitty slaps. Um, I thought everything else was good. It was better than I expected. Um, and Swoggle Man had a crazy weekend. Swoggle wrestled Steiner, Nick Gage. Uh, he had a spot in the clusterfuck with Joey Ryan. Uh, it's a fucking weird fucking weekend for that dude. Uh, plus, he had to, plus he had to room with Worldwide and all them all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, this, the match went better than I expected it to. 
Uh, I was more entertained than I thought I was going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. It was a, it was a thing. We're happening again. <laughs> and it was uh, Scott Steiner defeating Hornswoggle. Next up, we had kind of one of my favorite matches because I'm partial to everybody in this match. Cole Cabana and Space Monkey versus Ethan Page and MJF. Rick, do you have a lot of notes on this one? This is now that you mentioned it, the fact that I was watching it at home, I don't know why I, why I wasn't taking notes, but the fact that you did is very much appreciated. I uh <laughs> okay, I hate to blow this up. I can I will read to you the exact notes I have on this. <laughs> MJF Colt Space Ego comedy match. That's the entire That's this it? one this one started out with um Kind of odd introductions because uh, Ego was introduced first, and I think after that it was Space Monkey or Colt Cabana, no MJF, yeah. because Colt Cabana, MJF's father, had grounded MJF. <laughs> uh, you know, as fathers <laughs> tend to do when 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 a child has misbehaved, and uh, Ethan Page talked him into letting MJF come out and play, if you will, but <laughs> only if he came out to his dad's music. So we got Boom Boom MJF then came out. And you know you got all kinds of you got all kinds of good stuff in this, everything from MJF uh, biting the tail of Space Monkey, you know, putting the submission moves on the monkey's tail, and you know it's it was a match. It definitely definitely was a match. <laughs> uh, I'm I think it might have been the first crowd of the weekend, but certainly not the last to sing "You Are My Sunshine" to MJF. I was about to mention that yeah. maybe not the yeah, whole I weekend thing, but. Completely forgot it. Yep. Yeah, that was a, a big part throughout the match and on commentary. I think this was might have been the last one that the Duke was on, or no, he wasn't on for this one. I'm sure it was, but someone said, "I'm surprised that the they know this much of the song of You Are My Sunshine." I mean, it's got like four lines. You know, yeah, it's a pretty common. It's a pretty common song. I think it's it was not... Colin Delaney. Oh, you know what? The replay on Fight, uh, when I got the replay, I couldn't hear any of the second half commentary from the second mic. I don't know if it was just a bad feed or whatever it was, so I heard nothing that anybody but Wadsworth said. So I could hear it, but it sounded very faint. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Was, or or, or uh, the, the action was louder than – because I watched the, the replay too, technically, because I watched, like I said, I watched yeah, on yeah. Saturday – so I didn't uh, get that from that. Man, and we're talking about chants, just to go back to that last match for just like half a second, Yoni's sucks chant, and that's fantastic. Yeah, you got it. They tried oh, to get yeah. ham, ham cubes going as well, but catch on it quite as good as Yoni sucks. I heard that, but it took me a while because it, it was like, Yoni sucks, Yoni sucks. I'm like, what the fuck are they saying? And then it clicked. I was like, you motherfuckers, fuck you, Yoni's is amazing. But I, I, I got it for the, for the heckling him, but yeah. But that's a, a good point to bring up. There, there was a lot of other, like, you know, crowd interaction throughout the night. Uh, dude, my favorite crowd interaction of the night. Uh, very early in the show, and I don't know which man, but someone started a big chant, right? And it yes. went on for, like, so, but it only went on for, like, maybe 20 seconds. Joey Janela came running out of the, like, back part of the bar to the back edge of the seats and started screaming Chandler Biggins and started the chant again. Um, that's fucking so awesome. That, that, yeah, that was Janela starting that, and that was one of my favorite parts of the whole show. That was also one of those things that I, I read on Twitter beforehand, but still like not knowing where it went and hearing them like that. And it, it was early on. I want to say was first first match. That's what I want to say. It was the first match. It was yeah. like really cool. To like not not almost say like get it out of the way, but like AIW is at WrestleMania weekend with a show, and you know 
Chandler Biggins, you're remembered in this moment. Like, we're making you a part of the moment. That's That was fucking awesome. So, yes, uh, Cole Cabana, Space Monkey, Ethan Page, MJF. Yeah, very much a comedy match is the best way to describe it. I'm a huge fan of comedy matches, so I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially with, you know, guys like, well, Space Monkey and, you know, Cole Cabana. And there, there was the moment where um, Cole Cabana put MJF over his, his knee, spanked him, put Ethan Page over his knee, spanked him, and then Monkey was right there, bent him over his knee, and spanked him. And, of course, he made the joke, spanking his monkey. Yeah, he looked almost uh, apologetic to be making the spanking the monkey joke. But when it's there, it's the low-hanging fruit. You got to make it. See, I thought it was going to be something he was going to say to MJF at some point when it would be like MJF versus Space Monkey. But instead, we got like that. I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm on the same brain length wave, but not 100%. That's fine. Okay, cool. Um, Can I bring something up right now? Because I feel like it's the most appropriate point to talk about it. Shoot it. The thing that I love the most about this show... Is it was just a fucking AIW show. Yes. Like, so there's a comedy match, right? Who's in it? Colt Cabana, Space Monkey, Paige, and MJF. Guys that are always at AIW. Mm-hmm. No difference between this show and a show that would happen in Cleveland. Like, they didn't book some super card. They didn't book the same shit everybody else was doing. They booked an AIW show with AIW guys and put it on a national stage. And I thought that was fucking amazing. And what separated that show from all the other shows of the weekend. And I, I think the other thing that I liked about it, too, was, yeah, you had guys like, you know, Coco Banna, MJF, um, Nick Gage, Mance Warner, who, oh, uh, Swaggle, too. Like, we're on probably a lot of other shows, but giving guys like the Fuckets, Dom and Bishop, uh, PB Smooth, Justice, like all these wrestlers who... If AIW didn't run a show, they might not be in New York giving them a shot. Like, I know Dom, probably a horrible example, because he was booked many different places, too. But Justice, also a horrible example. He was the star of a whole other show. Uh, that's true. Uh, but other than that, still just a lot of – we kind of know what I'm saying, too. Like, there's people that didn't necessarily get maybe shots elsewhere. And that's what I really loved about it, because it wasn't – yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a super show. It was definitely AIW people – in New Jersey for the show. And yeah, you had like your bigger names like Steiner, Otani, uh, La Familia. We want to go that route with, you know, Damien, but fucking still just a lot of AIW people. Well, dude, with the exception of Otani, name me the guy who hasn't been at uh, AIW show. You know what I mean? Like we've had Steiner. We've had the fucking Familia de Tijuana. Like it's, it was the most, pure true it was, it was just a, it was just a fucking aiw show and i don't mean that in a bad way i mean that no. in the best possible yeah because it if i think if any other promotion would have ran a uh wrestlemania weekend show which i mean this is just my opinion other companies could probably prove me wrong but you're kind of pulling out the best of the best you're pulling out a super show to get people to look at your company. But for AIW, it did seem like this was a regular AIW show, just like you said, to where, you know, you could technically miss this show and it wouldn't have mattered for like other companies. But no, like this is like, no, like there was, you know, I mean, there's there's storyline stuff going on. There's titles and there's just a bunch of fucking regulars. Yeah. You know what? I talked to John about that on the uh, AIW podcast. If you, you caught that last week and he said point blank he said i could have booked a super show 
the problem with that is then what happens next month when people, you know, we travel to New Jersey to see our brand. People travel down from Detroit, people come in from Indiana, come in from Erie, you know, somebody sees the show in Jersey, loves it and travels from Jersey seven hours. And all of a sudden we go from seeing the super show back to seeing the regular product and the regular product is outstanding, but you can't put on a super show every month. So you would just, it's counterproductive. You know, you have to you know, take the guys that you have and, and make them stars, you know, in, in its own, in our own little realm of Cleveland that we, you know, we push outwards. Uh, I think you, you talked about it summers, uh, maybe a couple back where you said, you know, some of these guys that now that are getting started in Cleveland and then are getting booked in Indiana, getting booked in Chicago and Erie, you know, GCW, everything out, um, you know, PME and, and PB. And, you know, you even just mentioned, you know, Matt Justice, a big star with the with the Satan crowd. And um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I couldn't resist. Uh, that, that destroyed my train of thought. But, you know, you you have to it, it has to be self self sufficient. You have to be able to 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 keep a storyline going to to put something out there month to month that people are going to want to see that isn't just you know all into yeah. Sorry. Well, and and man, to be honest, almost all those dudes were booked on other shows. Like I went to a lot of other shows in that building that weekend, uh, and I saw a bunch of those guys on Black Label on that Black Craft show. Um, you, you know, there were other shows throughout the weekend that some of the AIW guys like PME and the production and, and different people were on. Um, so it, it's not that they just went there and did AIW, but to me, it's the fact that AIW is able to be like, no, this is, this is what we do. This is our thing. These are our guys. If we're going to have a fucking show, these are the guys that are going to be on our show. And I, man, I fucking love it. The way that I mean it, because it could be too, this was the first booking for certain people, and then they end up getting other bookings because of it. If AIW didn't run, how many of these people would have been at some of these other shows? And it's not, not a knock. I think that's... Man, I hate, to, I hate to disagree with you, but I think the dudes who did Black Label were going to be on... No. The dudes who did Black Craft were going to be on that fucking Black. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, there were plenty of people who had bookings for the weekend mm-hmm. because they've spent the last year and a half branching out from just being AIW guys and traveling traveling to Pittsburgh and going to different places of AIW and proving themselves. Um, so could could they have not had other bookings? Sure. I'm sure there's that possibility and you know I'm I'm not in charge of their bookings. I don't know the timeline for how shit worked out. All I'm saying is I I, I don't know that they wouldn't have had the opportunity had AIW not been there. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of those things we we don't know. But still, like seeing some of these people in New Jersey for some of these shows is, however it happened with with AIW without AIW, whatever, is still so cool to see, and it made this show even better. I saw somebody non related to AIW. It was a wrestler, and I don't remember specifically who it was, but he tweeted something to the effect of rolled in here a hundred deep mr brickster gang gang and it really did like you could feel like the aiw group that was in there was very tight-knit that was mr brickster from what i just remember seeing it yeah 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 um i happen to see the tweet from him like the dude he hopefully will be on this show by the end of the year uh 
I won't get too much into it, but something I have planned. Yeah, I, I caught that from him, and I'm like, I thought that was so cool because that's like another wrestler just acknowledging like what it's like. And to me, like not even being there, like, oh yeah, I could picture that. That's that seemed 100 percent right. That seemed true. Uh, going back to the show that we are we are reviewing, we have Mance Warner with the Duke versus Nick fucking Gage. How? How split was this crowd? Actually being there, like, what were your thoughts on it? Stacy? I, I, I don't know if you agree with me. This wasn't a split crowd. This was everybody loved Manser, everybody loved Gage. It was, I mean, yeah, their tears were the same for both guys. There may have been a handful of GCW um, that are folks there from Jersey who were just uh, Nick Gage guys. But Mance Warner had a whole lot of love in that building. Uh, I I think it's interesting that, you know, this was the C versus the GCW champ. And uh, now that match is happening again. So credit to Thorne for a really cool kind of important match first. This was, according to the stats, this was the second longest match of the night. Longest match is the main event. And I don't know where to describe it but it was so fun to watch because i lo- i love bands and i love gauge and it was just fucking crazy this this is one of the ones that you can tell they had time i mean we had two minutes of simple man we saw we saw mance for the first time by the time these guys got in there you had i guess the 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 dichotomy between the first match which was just rushed violence with eric and and bobby and and uh, the Tijuana. This was that deliberate violence, that slow building. Uh, the one thing that Nick Gage is really good at, and and Mansur is getting a whole lot better at, is setting up those spots, like building that anticipation. You know, with you know pulling the doors and setting up the chairs, and so you're just you know the slow build to what's going to happen with this. And man, the crowd was hot for both of these guys. That that chair shot that the Duke took was sick and i like for a moment i i just generally felt bad that he took it just sounded and looked gross uh i'm sure jobber would disagree he probably would want it harder uh next time you know using the doors using the chairs there wasn't you know as much crazy crazy violence i mean it wasn't like mancer you know using a staple gun or anything like that but it was that hard-hitting just deliberate violence uh, which Gage is just so good at Mansour. Like I said, man, he's getting so yeah, Mansour's getting so good so fast. You know, on paper going into it, and, and one of my favorite things about this match, because I like when, sometimes I like to have an expectation for a match and be pleasantly in a way I didn't expect. On paper, I thought this match was I thought this match was going to be Bishop Garini, and it wasn't. It was brutal, but there wasn't blood. There was just oh, shots. It was just, it was just like it, to me, this match felt like a, an ECW hardcore match. It was, it was so good. I like this match. Uh, it, it really, that these two guys aren't just a, a gimmick of shit, uh, and, and just being blood and guts guys. Uh, it was a good fucking match. Yeah. I, the, you can guys help me out on this, but the finish was the, was, Gage doing the pile driver into the pile driver into the power bomb, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. That's what it boiled down to to get Mance for the three. 
I love the finish because that was like the first time that you're like, that's it. That's the finish. You know, pile driver, pile driver, power bomb. That's it. You know, that's enough to keep anybody down. Um, man, I was real happy with the finish. It just, it made so much sense. It's like so much brutality in such a short time that you're like, yep, nobody's kicking out of that. You know, engage goes over. Perfect. And man, I got to tell you, having been in that building all weekend, while, you know, based on whose shows with obviously Joey Janela's weekend, I don't know, man, that building felt like it belonged to Nick Gage all weekend. Every show he was on, the fucking minds for Nick Gage. Like, the loudest MDK chants I've ever heard. The loudest Nick fucking Gage chant. Like, it was, he was on Black Label. That's usually like a, a clean, no cursing show. Nah, Nick fucking Gage. Loud fucking, loud. Like, both Janela shows. It was just, that building belonged to Nick Gage that weekend. Next up, we have the main event of the evening. The AIW Absolute Title 4-Way Match. Matthew Justice versus Tim Donst versus Filthy Tom Lawler versus P.B. Smooth. This match lasted 18 and a half minutes. And I'm just going to shoot to the finish real quick. It's the moment that a lot of people figured was coming. And rightfully so. Tom Lawler, new AIW Absolute Champion. I figured this was this coming. Even though I did pick Donst. I did pick Donst, but I don't know. I just want to throw a curveball, because technically we recorded that on April Fool's Day, and I almost wanted to say that was an April Fool's joke, but I, I held back. I'm like, nah, just make that my pick, fuck it. Man, I don't know if you caught where Tom Lawler was announced to be fighting out of, and I know you Yes, I did catch so that. It doesn't mean a lot to you, but it, it warmed my heart a little bit that Tom Lawler was announced from the funhouse. Yeah, that, uh, I forgot about that. That was, that was cool as fuck. It was like that weird thing of... It might not mean shit to, like, people out there. They might never heard of the fucking Funhouse, or they've heard of it, but they've never been there. But I'm like, that's a little piece of Cleveland in the main event. Fuck yeah. For, totally. For so I, have, I haven't watched it. Is Tom's speech at the end part of the broadcast? Yep, whole thing's there. Yeah. I'm blinking out on what he said. I know I've seen it, but... Uh, a little bit of a speech. He, I think he says something about taking us all to the. He mentions the fun house a second time. Yeah. Like, I'm headed to the fun house or a fun house and drinks are on me or something like that. And I think he even references, like, the big drink. Um, I, You know, I didn't watch all the speech this one, but, uh, you know, he's. Uh, he, he talked about how AIW was the first company to take a chance on him. Yeah. yeah like, cool. a few years ago and stuff. And, you know, with him being, you know, big shit at MLW and stuff. Uh, I thought I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that he kind of gave credit where credit was. It seemed like I don't know if he just said it with like not as much emphasis as I'm thinking, but like it was almost like he took a shot at Shayna. Like he, I mean, he flat out mentions her, mentions her on the level with of Riddle, and I'm like, is that a shot at Shayna too, or is it just? I'm not somebody who's using this to like catapult myself to WWE. Well, I think that was the point. Was that you know all these other MMA folks have some ulterior motives of where they'd like to be, and he's he's doing what he wants to do. Yeah, it's the way I took it. Which I I love him for it. Like I, how I feel about Matt Riddle has been well documented on on this podcast. I'm not getting into it. I I love Shayna, but there is I feel like with Filthy Tom Lawler, he he's like genuinely having fun at these shows, and it he seems more like a guy who. 
just like any other regular AIW wrestler who's having fun. Not like, well, this is like this is all a hundred percent business for me. Like, granted, it's business, but he has a lot of fun. And I think I think Shayna did too, but it was definitely you knew where she was going. But then again, I don't know if that's a hundred percent her fault because you knew with who she was associated with. Yeah, she was going to get picked up. All I'm saying is when you see Tom Lawler in Cleveland, when you see him at the AIW shows, when you see him at the after parties, you could tell genuinely likes Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And it felt good that he made a biggest platform AIW has been on to voice that. Yeah. Do you have any, any more thoughts on that, Rick? No, I think Tom Lawler has fun. I think he doesn't take himself too seriously. I think he knows he's a badass. I mean, I think he even said something about the fact that you know, there's nobody that can really take him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I kind of got the same thing you guys did from the Shayna and, and Riddle uh, reference. But I just don't, I, you know, every, I think, the I don't know, Summers, I can't remember if you've seen him and been with him at the after parties and stuff. You know, I've been there when he's passing around those giant drinks and just laughing and having a great time. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he takes anything too seriously. You know, I think he, he think he's happy with what he's doing. He's a pretty satisfied guy. He's, you know, he's got a, Got a nice place out in Vegas, and I'm sure a nice family. And, and you know, he, I don't think he – he's another one of these guys. He's going to be in demand for a long time, and he needs to be. And I'm looking so forward to have him as the face. I mean, right now you figure we have two guys that are kind of the face of AIW with the titles, and that's Matt Justice and Tom Waller, guys that are kind of uh, far apart from what they do. But, man, those are two great guys to have out front and what kind of – crazy stuff that could be coming in the upcoming months with Lawler having that belt. You know, some of the matches you can have with that guy, just, I man, I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. There's a lot of possibilities with, with the two guys that have the belts right now, the amount of crazy fucking matches that you can have going forward is, is just unbelievable. Uh, it's Lawler was the right guy. I think it's the right time for him. Um, nothing, nothing against PB, uh, Nothing against Tim Donst. Obviously, everybody knows how I feel about Tim Donst. Uh, you hate him. You think he's a piece oh, of shit. I, oh, yeah, <laughs> obviously. I think he's the fuck. Um, but no, I, I think it's it's really fucking cool. That, uh, I think it. Uh, I think it's going to make this summer very, very interesting. You know, he's he probably has one of the best win-loss records in his, his career in AIW. Granted, that's not something that's, you know, accounted for, but the dude... Majority of the time wins, but on, on top of all that, it, I mean, has he had a bad match in AIW? Like he's always, yeah, he's always been interesting one way or another. And, you know, the, the, you know, the shit with, you know, Dom was great. Absolutely. Like for a time period, that was like one of the best things going on in AIW. That was a, like a longer storyline. That match that him and Dom had where they had like the three different kinds of same match. That was great. Uh, is there any more we can say about the match? I'll, I'll be honest, four way, like there were parts of it that I completely didn't even see. Like any any time that there's like those big multi person matches, you can only concentrate, especially live, on one thing at a time. So I'm sure there's a hundred things that happened in that match that I missed. Yeah, I abandoned ship early from my seats because I'm like we're right in Matt Justice dive territory. I actually watched the main event from the wall over by the bar. But, you know, Justice diving, yeah, a couple guys in the ring and then two guys fighting around. You're trying to pay attention to what's going on, guys. You know, a lot of chairs were used. Um, I mean, PB got some vicious shots in on guys. Uh, you know, 
everybody, you know, at one point you had the, the four guys in the ring, uh, you know, basically in a, in a square, just trading blows and then everybody going down at once, everybody getting back up to their feet and trading blows again, and then back down and, you know, and, and ultimately Lawler getting the, uh, getting the tap out on PB. I just, I was such a great way to end it. Anything more from you, Stacy? Um, as far as the show went or, or as far as this match went, um, man, I, again, I thought the match was great. I thought the show was great. Um, one thing that I would like to say, which is not related to this AIW show, is I want to give a big thank you to the Goldstein brothers. Um, they did some really nice shit for uh, the AIW crew and, and some of the fans, and uh, I really appreciated it. It was, uh, it was a really good time. All right. Uh, what would you guys rate this as a whole, as an AIW show, even you know comparing it to regular shows? Uh, we'll go with letter grades. Start with Rick. Uh, it was an A. You know, there was if you if I'm just critiquing the wrestling, it was an it was an A. If I want to critique the whole experience with the venue and the you know the craziness and the and the fan crowd, it's probably the most unique fun show i've ever been to um so i you know it's it's definitely an a from me it's an a from me too um i there's there have been very few if any aiw shows that have had the feeling in the room that that one had uh that were that much fun that the every match was good uh there, there wasn't really anything where i i thought it was you know uh it, that it didn't deliver on what it was, it was an A. It was an absolute A. And pun? That was an unintentional pun. <laughs> uh, from watching just on uh, on Fight TV, I would give it an A too. Uh, pretty much a lot of stuff we've said of like how you know this was sh- set up like a regular AIW show. Maybe a little bit you know with the audio, but I mean that's getting a little nitpicky. But still, I felt like I had almost as much fun at home as I did at a show. Obviously, when you get to the show, that's just a, a whole different atmosphere that I did. I know I was not a part of, and I'm not going to act like sitting on my couch at fucking in Chicago Falls, Ohio was any different than actually being there. It, no, there was a fucking difference. Trust me. So, really cool. And it's really cool to, to f- see an AIW show with that kind of turnaround. Granted, it's because, you know, it was live on Fight TV, but I feel like if you miss a regular AIW show, like I've, you know, I haven't seen Russell Rave, I don't think that's available yet. Yeah, I mean, it might be, but still to wait, I could have watched it live or I could have watched it the next day. And that was awesome to watch. Well, this was the first in, in what I understand to have been a very long time um, that there was ever any sort of live stream for an AIW show. Yes. My hope is that it went smooth enough even if it's just for like the two big ones every year, even even if it's just for like you know absolution and hell on earth, maybe they they attempt to do live streams again because I'll be against there for it if they do. I don't remember the last live show. I know there was the GNO, there was an Abso, and I think the first Double Dare was live on iPay Per View. Those might be the only ones, but me actually. I was at all those shows, so like that's why I don't really remember as much. But I rem- I know G- the GNO one was the very first one. I know Abso was another big one, and it was hot as fuck that day. And I know the Double Dare one because the there was a clip of Mark Summers that played before the show, and like 
I had been told about it. So that is the only ones I could think of. And I don't think they're going to have it. I mean, this is just me putting out my opinion of, on things that I've heard. Like they, they don't necessarily want to do it because there's a lot of shit that they got to go through. But then again, times have changed. Technology has gotten better. But when they were doing the, the eye pay-per-views from Turner's hall, like everything, it was just everything about that building was bad, whether it be the internet connection for them to, you know, stream it and uh the temperature was like causing certain things to malfunction and all this shit yeah it was like a horrible and that was like for at least Apso. so well I'm, I'm sure one of the issues is is the building having proper internet connection but to be perfectly honest i'm surprised turner's hall had fucking internet so that you you've just told me something i didn't expect <laughs> yeah uh so i thought the last i had heard that they don't want to go back down that way they want to leave you know for other people but you know i'm not there doing a lot of the business shit and i think if you would ask me a couple years ago was aiw ever going to do a wrestlemania weekend i would have told you no so that's already definitely different now so we'll see all right any uh final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go we'll start with stacy um final thoughts is it was a great weekend and uh I have a podcast that if you listen to this, you've probably heard me plug a million times. Super fantastic. There hasn't been a new episode in a minute, uh, but there's going to be new ones, including another deep dive in May on Transformers. How about you, Rick? Well, uh, I had a great time over the weekend. So just to, to wrap that whole thing up, New Jersey was everything I wanted it to be. And more. Uh, such a great time. It was so much fun meeting everybody. I echo your sentiments about the Goldstein uh, soiree, the super secret speakeasy. Uh, fantastic for those guys to do that for everybody. It was great. Uh, Such good dudes. Yeah, they are. They're great guys. They'll be back. They'll be back this way for Absolution. So if you get a chance, Absolution, uh, when that comes around in August, you know, say hey to those. Uh, May 18th, UXWA Rick Nelson Enterprises presents <laughs> They Live. With uh, Big Twan Tucker taking on the one called Manders, which I know, Mr. Justin Summers, you are super excited about. Hell so yeah. uh, come on out and, and see that. Uh, our our good friend Razor Sharp uh, running what we affectionately call AIW NXT at this point. <laughs> so that's going to be pretty exciting. You have one other thing to plug, don't you? What else do I have to plug? Uh, a couple podcast appearances you've done recently. Oh yeah, yeah. I, For I, those who don't know, but I figure everybody knows. But you know, what yeah, I, the, the card is subject to change. I did a sit-in on the Mania preview, which was basically just me hanging out with Worldwide for an hour. Which, by the way, fantastic if you ever get the chance to hang out with Worldwide for an hour. And then I did the the last one where I asked some questions, kind of off the top of my head. I wasn't as prepared as I'd like to be, but. If I get to do it again, I'll definitely take up some uh, some questions so maybe we can make John and Steve squirm. Um, I thought it was fun getting the clarification on Steve Guy and toilet paper etiquette. Uh, <laughs> Summers, you were the one that, that gave me that idea with the, I get sick of these motherfuckers who don't know how to throw the Dr. Dan toilet paper. Yeah, we definitely got to ask him about that. So hey, if you get a chance, listen to those. Uh, you don't want too much Rick Nelson saturation in the market, so I try to keep my myself at a at an arm's length distance the, i think the funny thing when you know they're talking about the toilet paper and you know throwing at dr dan i'm not going to break all of the secrets but the fact of the first time we started throwing toilet paper at him was because of biggins 
Biggins brought in the, the toilet paper and said, here, throw this at Dr. Dan. And we were like, okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I feel like he helped start it and we're just keeping it going. If he wouldn't have been like, hey, throw toilet paper at me, then, you know, I'm not throwing him, but throw him at uh, Biggins and throwing at Dan. We wouldn't have fucking done it. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing that didn't happen in Jersey that would happen at a normal AIW show. And it's because Dan didn't have a match. He didn't have a there wasn't a point where you were going to announce Dr. Dan. So the spot to throw the toilet paper wasn't there. And uh, of course, you can find myself at Heavy Set 330, much like you can find this show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. At wrestling cheers, Facebook.com slash wrestling cheers, Twitter.com slash wrestling cheers, and email. Dot, or, oh, it's been a long night. Instagram.com slash wrestling cheers. Email, if you so choose, desire wrestling cheers at gmail.com. We have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to this fine podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, wrestling cheers. Podbean.com. Check out our friends on the Trending Topics Network such as All Beer Inside, Eurovision Showcase, Old School at the Movies, and Wrestling with Altitude. Check out our other podcast friends, such as Pod Van Dam, Super Fantastic Podcast, Road Home from Wrestling, Kick Out at Two, The IndieCast, Center Stage, Sobros Network, Big Gold Belt Podcast, Spotlight Series, and I Got Your Five Stars. Check out our other non-podcasting friends, such as Thrift Store Jobber, The Savage Dash, Set Tab Photo, powerslam.tv use wrestling cheers all one word and get your first month free ringside shots photography sickening pictures wrestle void key on sports stay tough midwest territory southern underground pro and the official graphic designer of wrestling cheers moy boy designs that will do it for us here on wrestling cheers where everybody knows your name especially at the fun house later Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And there's only fight you can You're the fake Mayan Rose are all the same You're the fake everybody knows your Tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.